Welcome back to Dawn of the Geeks. An image generator needs a massive set of images for its data to respond to so many prompts. Hundreds of millions of images and text descriptions scraped from the internet. Those captions come from things like the alt text website. Owners include with their images for accessibility and search engines, places like Wikipedia and Instagram. Engineers get these massive data sets. But then, what do our AI models do with these massive data sets? We might assume that when we give them a text prompt like a banana inside a snow globe from 1960, they search through the training data to find related images and then copy over some of those pixels. But that's not what's happening. AI is not copying parts of images. Instead, New images and artifacts come from the latent space of the AI or machine learning model. That'll make sense in a minute. Let's go back to how the model learns. If I gave you two images and I told you to match them to captions, you'd have no problem. But what about just numbers? This is what images look like to a machine, just pixel values for red, green, and blue. You'd have to make a guess. And that's what computers do at first. But then you could go through thousands of rounds of this and never figure out how to get any better at it. Whereas a computer with the correct code can eventually figure out a method that works. And that's what AI machine learning is and does. To understand one arrangement of pixels is a banana and one arrangement of pixels is a red balloon, it looks for metrics that help separate those images in a mathematics space. So to understand that one arrangement of pixels is a banana and one arrangement of pixels is a red balloon, it looks for metrics that help separate these images in mathematical space. Let's start with color. If we measure the amount of yellow in one image at a time and put each image on a plot what would we get? Our plot, our graph, would put a banana at one end and the red balloon over at the other. This line is a one-dimensional space, like a thermometer for how yellow or red things are rather than hot or cold. But then what if we run into a yellow balloon? Our yellowness metric isn't very good at separating yellow bananas from balloons. So we need a different variable. Let's add an axis for roundness. Now we have a two-dimensional space, a map with roundness on one axis, like east to west, and yellow to red on the other axis, like north to south. But if we look at more data, we may see a banana or a balloon that isn't in the right corner. We could think of things like stemness as another dimension. Bananas and other fruit have a woody stem at one end, and balloons, well, they don't. So now you have a three-dimensional space. Ideally, when we get a new image, we can measure those three variables and see whether it falls in the banana or balloon region of space. But if we want our model to recognize not just bananas and balloons, but other things, yellowness, roundness, and stems, 
don't capture what's distinct about all objects. How does something like a green apple fit into this space? Deep learning algorithms figure this out as they go through the training data. They discover and isolate variables, improve their performance on the task, and in the process they build out mathematical space with way more than three dimensions. It's hard to imagine a multi-dimensional space, but I like it. Disco Diffusion, one of my favorite AI artist models, offers this, the latent concept space of the model. And it has thousands upon thousands of dimensions. Those thousands upon thousands of dimensions represent variables we humans wouldn't recognize or have names for. But the result is that the space has meaningful clusters, a region that captures the essence of banananess. Banananess? Banananess. A region that represents the textures and colors of photos from the 1960s, an area for snow and globes and snow globes somewhere in between. Any point in this space can be thought of as a recipe for a possible image. The text prompt is what navigates us to that location. But then there's one more step. Translating a point in that mathematical space into an actual image involves a generative process called diffusion. It starts with just noise and then arranges pixels into a composition that makes sense to humans over a series of iterations. Because of some random processes, it will never return the same image for the same prompt and enter the prompt into a different model designed by different people on different training data, and you'll get a result that's different because you're in a different latent space. The ability of deep learning to extract patterns from data means you can copy an artist's style without copying their images just by putting their names into the prompt. This brings up copyright questions regarding images that go into training models and the images that come out of them. On top of this, these aren't the only issues that this technology will provoke. The latent space of these models contains some dark corners that can get scarier as outputs become photorealistic. They also hold an untold number of biases that we don't intentionally teach our children, but can be learned from the internet. If you ask for an image of a CEO, we often get an old white guy. If you ask for images of nurses, they're often all women. We don't know exactly what's in the data sets used by OpenAI and many other systems, but we know that the internet is filled with English and Chinese language, and whole cultures are unfortunately underrepresented. In one open source dataset, the word Asian is represented first and foremost, unfortunately, by an avalanche of porn. AI is just an infinitely complex mirror held up to our society and what we deem worthy enough to put on the internet in the first place. But what makes this technology so unique is that it enables any of us to direct the machine to imagine what we want it to see. 
Prompting removes the obstacles between ideas, images, games, animation, and whole virtual worlds. We are on a voyage here. It's a bigger deal than just one decade or the immediate technical consequences. It's a change in the way humans imagine, communicate, and work with their own culture. This change will have long-reaching good and bad consequences that are, by definition, not capable of completely anticipating. While researching these guides, I spoke with many creative people who have played with these tools, and I asked them what they think this all means for people who are making a living and making images. The human artists and illustrators and designers and stock photographers out there, they had a lot of things to say. And I hope to share that with you in an upcoming guide. That's it for today. Please check out all the links in today's Dawn of the Geeks guide notes. And please comment and share any of the art that you end up creating with the tools that we shared. In our upcoming guides, we'll revisit how to overcome obstacles in our way. And we'll also explore using a multitude of AI tools. I'm going to also include some video examples of how to work with these open source tools and some free online tools that might get you started sooner. You've been listening to Dawn of the Geeks, and thank you for following along. If you haven't already, please subscribe and give us a rating.